morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 25. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Shit. 
Let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, you have called us out of our sin and wandering, out of our searching into your covenant family to be your people and to worship you. And we come and worship this morning as we always do through the self-giving, the, the gracious invitation of, of your son, Jesus. Lord, make us aware of your presence. Fill us with your spirit. God, remind us this morning that we are sons and daughters, co-laborers, heirs of your promise, that we share in your life and glory, and that we share in your sufferings. Strengthen us as we carry our own crosses. Give us faith when we experience uh, the trials and the challenges of the world that we uh, live in. Father, we know that Jesus is our elder brother, leading us into honesty and humility, who leads us away from retaliation and, and bruised threats. Lord, teach us to love like he has loved, to love our enemies, to serve those who offer scorn, knowing that, that Jesus has laid down his life to bring us close, to make us a new people full of freedom, to bear witness to your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we come to you now and we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. We turn now to our time of confession, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need. And we'll do this together as a, as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Hear the teaching of Christ, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you, love one, if you have love for one another. Merciful God. Although Christ has reconciled us to himself and to one another, we don't always welcome and love each other as he commanded us. Forgive us for our divisions, our biases, and our impatience with one another, and bind us together as one family with your great love.
please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin. We, we know our guilt, our shame, even our regret. And Father, your grace is often disarming for us. It meets us not in those really cleaned up places, those really put together places, but right here when our sins are before us. And may your grace, Lord, your grace that is eager to welcome us home, that is eager to forgive, may it lead us into repentance and towards life. Father, we're thankful that you, uh, you do this work not for anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. We pray and we rejoice in this good news. Amen. Well, let's stand together for the words of assurance that come to us from Romans chapter 8. Let's join together. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Well, as we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ. Shall return with singing. The redeemed of the Lord shall return. And all sorrow and sighing shall
reading is from Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be any unworthy thought in your heart and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, <clears throat> and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. The New Testament reading is from John 15, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoke to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants do not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. I'm glad to be with you and a chance to look at God's word together. There we go. Well, this, this will work. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, it's good to be here working at, looking at God's word with you t today. And uh, you'll see a note in your order of worship, but we are continuing a, a summer series. Uh, we'll do this today and then next week as well. And, which uh, we're drawing from a book called The 15 New Testament Words of Life. And uh, each Sunday we've been looking at a different book of the New Testament and kind of doing a survey and then also picking out a key word that uh, corresponds with that book. And today we're going to look at 1 John. And the key word is love. Love. It allows us to think about uh, what God has done for us in Christ. The Apostle John wrote... Uh, while in Ephesus, he wrote this letter, 1 John, and he wrote it to the churches in the surrounding area, likely the churches that are listed in Revelation uh, chapter 2 and 3. And this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament. 
And his name for himself when he was writing the gospel, his name for himself, the way he referred to himself in that writing, was the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know how that strikes you. When I first, you know, read that or came across that, I, you know, I kind of was confused or I thought to myself, is this some kind of boasting, right? Is this somehow that he's, you know, a little bit a step ahead of the other apostles, disciples? But that's a misunderstanding to take it that way. The disciple whom Jesus loved is John affirming what is true about him. I am loved by Christ. It is John remembering who he is in Christ, what is true. I am loved. And it's out of that personal encounter with Jesus that John writes to us and to the church that we should love one another. Out of encountering God's love in Christ that he reminds us that we are to love one another. Writing, by this we know love that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Well, I hope we'll see in our passage, and if you read First John on your own, what you can see is that from a variety of angles and over and over again, John returns to this main point that God has loved us in Christ. And through this love, we are connected to God and connected to one another, and it's out of Christ's deep and abiding love that we're called to walk in love ourselves. Or as Augustine commented when talking about 1 John, John wrote many words, and nearly all of them are about love. He wrote many words, and almost all are about love. So let's look at this passage from 1 John. This is 1 John 3, 11 through 24. You can follow in your order or in your Bible. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love each other. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. By this we know love, that he, that's Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, yet has no pity on them, how does God's love abide in that person? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us, 
by the spirit whom he has given us. Well, this is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, as we look at our passage, I, I want to start at towards the end and, and then work our way back towards the beginning of the passage. And, and toward the end, what I just read, you, you, you heard, we read together, this is God's commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Here is a summary of God's command, and it's a summary that involves two things, belief in the Son and love for one another, faith and love. And this morning, what I want us to do as we go through the passage is the sermon will have two parts that we'll look first at this belief in the Son, and then second, this command to love one another. So let's start here. We're called to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And here, belief is not just simply the affirmation of an idea or the affirmation of a doctrine. It's more than that. The call to believe is the call to entrust our very selves, to entrust our lives to Jesus, to live in union with Jesus by faith. And so if we are entrusting our our very selves to Jesus, if we're joining him by faith, then what does our passage say about him? Why would we entrust ourselves to him? Why join him? And what we hear from 1 John here is that Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. The eternal word, which was from the beginning, was born and dwelt among us. And John opens the letter trying to stress this idea that the the God of all things became flesh John opens 1 John by saying, the word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it. We heard him. We touched him. This eternal word has taken on flesh and laid down his life for us. The the pastor and theologian John Stott, when reflecting on Jesus taking on flesh, he writes this. And maybe you can relate to this. I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? In my imagination, I have turned over and over again to that lonely, twisted, and tortured figure on the cross, nails through his hands and his feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding, mouth dry, thirsty and plunged in darkness. This is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain and entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. Jesus laid down his life for you and me. He took on flesh, but not only that, he came to serve He came for the sick and the poor. He came for sinners. He humbled himself in great love, and this great love led him to lay down his life for us. And even though we might be familiar with that idea, it's good to ask, what what does that mean? What, What does that mean, and how is that an act for us? When in his taking on flesh and his laying down his life, Jesus identifies with us. 
Jesus identifies with you and me. He bore in his body our trespasses. He carries our sorrows as if they were his own. And he bore our death in his body. This is how we come to understand what love is. Christ engages in an exchange. He took our need upon himself, made them his own, and gave us his life and strength and hope. 1 John in chapter 4, describing this, says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifices for our sins. And what I hope that we can see as we start with this command to believe in the son, to entrust ourselves to this one, is that the nature of the one that we are to believe is the one who laid down his life for us. This is the very nature of the one that we are called to entrust ourselves to, who takes upon himself our need and sorrow, who identifies with us. This is the heart of our God revealed in his son. There's an essayist named Sophia Stewart, and she has an essay about love. And one of the things that she writes is that love is both understood and always in the end beyond understanding. Love is both understood and always in the end beyond understanding. And I think what she means is that you and I, if we sat down and tried to make a list, that we could describe what love looks like or what love doesn't look like. But it's hard to grasp love's depth to, to hard to describe that the power that it has to change us or to make things different and I think that quote reminds us of the mystery that we see in Christ's love the mystery of the, the fruit the outcome of his love for you and me you see the love expressed in Jesus him laying down his life for us it is powerful and it changes things Many of you know that. You see, through Jesus laying down his life, our passage tells us that we have passed from death to life. We passed from death to life. We went from being condemned and alone to being declared part of God's family and given eternal life. It means that when we're joined by faith in Jesus, when we believe in the, the name of the Son, our identity, our status is transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of this world and all of its demands and evaluation to the kingdom of God, from the present age, the age that will be marked with death, to the age to come, which was marked with renewal in life. Meaning that we now, this is the promise of God's love in Christ, now we live with God, united and secure in a love that can't be broken by anything in this life or by death. God's spirit dwelling in us, leading us to new ways of living as we await the renewal of all things. The love of God expressed in Jesus is powerful and it changes things. We see in our passage that we transfer from death to life. We also see, if you notice, that we 
through Jesus laying down his life for us, that our hearts are set at ease before God. Our hearts are set at ease before our God. Take a moment and think about just even this morning, or maybe if you want to stretch it out this weekend or this week, how many times have our hearts wrestled with shame? How many times have you felt the, the shame washing over you of what you have done or what you failed to do, who you are or who you're not? Just maybe even this morning, wrestling with feelings of rejection or being alone? Or how many times have we come face to face with our failures to love? Thinking about this passage, this call to love, the, the ways that we see our, our lies or our lack of faithfulness, our choosing of lesser things. What I hope that we can see in, in the wonder of this is that whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever we feel ashamed and without hope, John assures us God is greater than our hearts. God is greater than your heart. Meaning that God, our creator, is the one who made all things and he knows all things. He's great. And we approach God, we come to the one who knows everything about us, knows our very being, yet loves us and is happy to receive us and welcome us. The one who sees us and knows us fully, yet is delighted to forgive us and to invite us to rest in entrusting ourselves to him. Soren Kierkegaard had a prayer that at least he said, he said often in his journals, teach me, O God, not to torture myself, but rather teach me to breathe deeply in faith. Teach me, O God, not to torture myself, but rather teach me to breathe deeply in faith. To breathe in into hearts that are shame-filled. To breathe in, I am loved by Jesus. To breathe in that he knows me and sees me, but is delighted to fully accept me in his grace. To breathe in that Jesus sees me and knows me, but lay down his life for me, that I would not be alone, that I would not be condemned. This is the good news of the son that we're invited to trust and to believe. Here is a word in the face of self-criticism and condemnation, even when there's good reason to feel those things, that there's something greater than our hearts. This is the commandment of God, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to entrust ourselves to this one who brings life out of death and sets our hearts at ease, who laid down his life for us, and the second thing that God commands us is to love one another. And so the second part of our sermon is to look at this command to, to love one another. And it makes sense that we're called to do this because if, if by faith that we are connected to Jesus, by entrusting ourselves to, to him that we know his love, 
and we're also connected to one another, then it makes sense that we'd share that love with each other, to share it with the communion that we've been established in Christ. And so we're starting at the end, and we now come back up to the beginning. You notice that our passage, it starts, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. Love one another. And he, John's hearkening back to what Jesus himself taught when he washed his disciples' feet that evening. He told them, the world will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. As I have loved you, so love one another. And as we, as we think about this command, it's, it's worth maybe seeing in our passage that there's things that we're to turn away from things to let go of, and then there's things to turn towards, to take a hold of. So let's start with the, the, the negative, the things to let to go of. We're to turn away from a world of hate and the way of death. There was a Roman philosopher named Seneca who has a quote, hatred of the human race seizes us because people are everywhere. <laughs> and we see corruption, we see foolishness, and we see need everywhere we look. Yeah, think back then. There's hardly anybody, hardly anyone lived back in Seneca's, in Seneca's time, right, too. And it reminds us, though, maybe you can relate to what he's saying there. We see all around us things that are difficult. And it reminds us that something, something that is, it's worth us acknowledging and being honest about. It's easy to hate. It is easy and maybe even say natural to dismiss or to despise or to hate. Think of the people who are in our way, who block our plans, who make things tiresome and difficult, who hurt us, who make us uncomfortable or who annoy us, who ask things, things of us. It's easy to dismiss and to judge and to hate. And we should acknowledge that, but also hear this word to turn away, to turn away from this way of death. See, this world of hate and the way of death is represented by the person Cain. Maybe you know the story from Genesis, but Cain killed his brother, murdered his brother Abel because of jealousy, because Abel was righteous and good. And Cain decided that he was not responsible for his brother, but rather to get rid of him. This relationship with his brother was marked not by love, but by hate, not by service or like appreciation, but greed and despising was not by generosity, but coveting. And we know these ways. We're familiar with them. We've seen them. We've experienced them, we've practiced them. But Cain not only marks the way of hate that we are to avoid, it reminds us that adversity and difficulty in this world is to be expected and that the world is marked with hostility, especially hostility for anyone who would walk a different way, who seek to live by a different path anyone who would question the ways and evaluations of the world. And it's for this reason that the world hated Jesus. 
think about, especially because he loved the people the world was happy to forget. He loved the people that the world was happy to reject and despise. He gave his best away to the least, and it made the world hate him. We should not be like Cain, who walked in the ways of hate and death, but the way of Christ is different. And that leads us to the call to take hold, to lay down our lives for one another, to love with actions and in truth. Christian love is a responsive love. It's not a love that you and I just come up with or that we generate ourselves. It is a love that imitates the divine love for us. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. You see, I want us, we're invited from the beginning to continue to entrust ourselves to this God. And it's out of this source, out of this stream of, of new life and new waters that we're invited to learn what love is and to share it with one another. Christ and his sacrificial love of deeds is the template for our lives, for all believers. And John gives us an example in our passage here as a believer of which three things, three things are true. This believer has material goods. He might not be rich, but he has enough. This believer sees a fellow believer, a brother or sister in need. And what is needed in that moment? A willingness to share. A willingness to give. A willingness to make sacrifice for another. In this example, the believer is callous. This believer has no pity, meaning he keeps his heart closed to the one that he sees. And it reminds us that, that we are called to love and to lay down our lives, not because of, of guilt that we have things, or not because we have to meet some kind of quota for the charity, but that Christian giving, it runs through the vision of the cross. We give because we see one another through Christ. We see one another through the lens of who God is to us in Christ. Jesus laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And therefore, when we think about how we care or see one another, that love is always marked with sacrificial or generosity. Of course, laying down your lives sounds like a very large thing, and it is. And there might be moments that feel very, very significant in such a manner. But often, it is through small acts of generosity small acts of kindness, a willingness to see, to be open-handed, and to give freely instead of being hard-hearted. To say that my time or my possessions or my talents are not my own. We are called to believe in the Son to love one another. And when we do this, whether in small ways 
or large ways, when we open our hands and share the love or the gifts that we've been given, then we give witness to the age to come. We give witness to the kingdom of God. We give witness to Christ who laid down his life for us. We close by just mentioning briefly that there was a, a theologian named Tertullian who wrote very early in the life of the church, and he wrote the Apology, which was a defense of the Christian faith, uh, why Christian faith made sense. And one of his arguments was to look at the church, look at how they loved one another, look at how they prayed and cared for their neighbors, look how they gave of their possessions to each other or supported one another. Of course, this is both inspiring and humbling to think of the ways that the church has lived this up or has failed to do so. But it's a reminder that we have a call. When we love one another, we are giving witness, giving a sign of who God is to the world around us. The God of Christ who laid down his life for sinners to make us his children. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you, Lord, that you are good and kind and that you love us. We pray that that love would be clear today and that it would give us new life, life for one of ourselves and life towards one another. Amen. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Christ humbled himself even to death on a cross, yet you raised him up to rule over all creation, giving him the name which is above all other names. It is good and right for us to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as we gather each week, we remind ourselves of this gift from Christ. One of the questions that the scripture asks is, does God leave us? Does God leave us alone to deal with our sin and misery? Does God leave us simply with our resources? And the good news of the gospel and the good news of this table is no. God does not leave us alone. God has come to us in Christ to not only come, but lay down his life for you. This table is a sign of that, something that we can see and hold and taste of Christ coming, taking on flesh and bearing in his body our sin and sorrow and death. For our place at God's table, the fact that we're a people of God, not on our own, but belong to God, is through the broken body and shed blood of Christ. Our place at this table, the fact that we're not alone, is, is not because of what we have done or what we promised to do, but because of God's love for you in Christ. And if you know that, if you know of your need before God and have placed your faith in Christ, believed in the Son, Jesus Christ, then come, eat and drink, be nourished, and be reminded of who God is and his love for you. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be an invitation to you, a witness. This is who God is. The one who made all things came near to you to bring life to you because of his great love for you. This is the good news of Christ and the good news of this table. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this bread and cup. And I pray, Lord, that you'd set them apart, and that by your spirit you would minister to us that you'd lift our heads, that you'd speak forgiveness into our sin, that you'd speak uh, your love and assurance to our shame, that you'd remind us that you're greater than our hearts. 
And I pray that this table would do that work through your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus broke the bread, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down to the center aisle to receive the bread and the cup, and then you can go back on the sides. Ask if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion this morning, I still invite you to come forward just to put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I will be happy to offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward at this time. And let us, let us come and receive the gifts that God has for his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord, you proclaim from the throne, behold, I am making all things new. These words are trustworthy and true. Let us rejoice in this hope as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're going to continue our time of worship uh, through chance to respond to God's generosity. Um, the greeters invite them to come forward to, there is a, there'll be a, a gray basket that you can put your communion cup in and also a, a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift to the work of the church, you can do so. You'll see a note in your order that you can also give uh, through the church's website or by text. Uh, um, also just wanna say welcome, glad that you're here, especially if you're visiting, we're glad you can join us for our time of worship. Uh, after the service, there is coffee and bagels uh, it's right outside the gym doors behind you, right by the playground. So you, hopefully you can stay after, a chance to get to know each other better, that you can uh, help yourself to that. Also, uh, under the, the chair in the center aisle, there is a black uh, information pad uh, that if you are sitting there, I invite you to pick that up. You can fill it out and pass it down uh, to know who you're worshiping with uh, today. It'd be great. Um, it's, it's also, if you're interested in a, a small group or joining the life groups, you can indicate that through that information pad as well. Uh, one last note is that there is a reminder, there's a youth uh, ministry meeting after church today. Um, I think it says in the order that we'll meet at 12, but let, why don't we, we'll plan on, people have a chance to get coffee and bagels, but uh, around 11.50, uh, 11.50 you can meet in the cafeteria and uh, look for Justin there and he'll go over the schedule uh, and share about what's going on with the youth ministry. Let's continue giving our gifts in response to God's generosity uh, to us.
please stand and join us for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace.